Welcome to Careers for the Blind. My name is Harrison Hoyes, and I'm losing my sight to retinitis pigmentosa. As my vision continues to get worse, I wanted to have conversations with other blind and visually impaired people to see what advice they may have to offer and keep me motivated and inspired and continuing to strive to do the best that I can in my career. I know I'm not the only person going through this type of situation. So my hope is other people will benefit from hearing these conversations the way that I've been benefiting from them. And in this way, I'll be able to give to others what my guests have been so generous to give to me. In September 2022, I had a conversation with Lex Gillette. Lex is a five-time Paralympic medalist and currently holds the world record and is the only totally blind athlete to ever eclipse the 22-foot barrier in the long jump. He's taken his motivation and drive in his athletic career to translate that into owning his own business, to become an author and a motivational speaker, and his second book is coming out soon. To learn more about Lex, visit his website, LexGillette.com. Here's my conversation with Lex. Let's start out. Just tell me a little bit about how you lost your sight. I lost my sight due to recurrent retina detachments. I randomly came home from school one day, started noticing that things were looking blurred, looking faint. My mom took me to the doctor and after an examination, that's when they saw that I was dealing with retina detachments. That led to a string of 10 operations that I had when I was eight years old. Doctors wanted to attach the retinas and that it just, yeah, it, it became a long year of being in the hospital, being in the operating room, going home, going through the healing process, operation after operation after operation. After the 10th one, the doctors basically said that there wasn't anything else they could do to help my sight. And they said that I would eventually become blind. So from there, it was uh, go home, go through your normal routine, go to sleep at night. Each day you wake up seeing a little less than what you do the day before until one day you wake up and you can't see much of anything. How long did it take for you to accept that and start moving on with your life? Accept it? Um, I am going to say, I don't know if I can put a specific time frame on it, but what I will say is that I knew within that first year, the, the things that I was being introduced to, you know, whether I wanted to accept it or not, these were things that I needed to engage in so that I could be successful in life. And so I'm specifically talking about, I learned how to read Braille. I learned how to use a cane so I could navigate on my own. I had you know, different, um, you know, like independent living classes and things like that. So I don't think that I necessarily accepted it at the very, very beginning. But again, once I started to see that, oh, there's some other alternatives for me and there are other things out there for me to engage in so that I can live life similarly, you know, to the next person. Once I was able to see those things and it was, oh, you know, this isn't, this isn't so bad after all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think for myself, it was probably 10 years from my diagnosis to the t time when I actually went to a training center and oh, wow. yeah. So for myself and probably still accepting it to the, to a, to a certain extent, but yeah, yeah a, a long period of time uh, for myself. Well, that's what, and I mean, that's interesting too, because when you say that, I think the question in my mind, I, I see it as, you know, when did I accept it? When did I really come to grips with, oh, okay, well, this is how life is going to be. 
So I think that that stage, I reached that point at an early age. But when you think about just the other trials and challenges that we have to face as, as blind and visually impaired people, some of those things I believe were a little more difficult to accept. And a lot of times, I don't even know if I would say accept, I would say hard to kind of tolerate. Mm -hmm. Did you know a, a bunch or did, were you being introduced to a lot of other blind people in your, in your youth that, you know, shortly after this, you lost your sight? Well, my mom is visually impaired. So okay. I've, I've been around someone who has a visual impairment my entire life. The only thing is I never really thought about her being visually impaired because she has usable sight. And mm -hmm. when I was growing up, her, her sight was, you know, it was a lot better than, than what it is now, even though she still, you know, still has a good, a good degree of, of eyesight. But um, yeah, in those early stages, even though she was someone living with glaucoma, she really served as a as a great example for me. Like I can't even I can remember a time where I didn't get the things that I wanted for Christmas, <laughs> for mm -hmm. presents and things like that. She always made sure that she was at work. There was food on the table. There was there were clothes for me when I would start school and throughout school, and you know having the nice shoes and all of those types of things. So just seeing that from her. I didn't really think about visual impairment. I didn't think about her being visually impaired. And, mm -hmm. and so it just really set a, a good foundation for me moving forward in life. Yeah, absolutely. Were you thinking at all about what type of career you would have when you were in high school? In high school, I would say yes to a certain degree. I think at that time I wanted to go to school and and get a like a, either a computer science or a computer programming computer programmer degree uh, something in the, in those areas before I got to high school I wanted to be a at one point I wanted to be an attorney I wanted to be an okay. an author a writer I used to write like these these short stories when I was a child had my braille braille typewriter and boom boom bam bam i'm knocking out pages and pages of like short stories because i knew that one day i would be a a writer an author and um but yeah you know as as things unraveled in life and you start to learn more and be exposed to more of those things slowly change and and yeah once i got into high school i was thinking more about technology and, and computers but then um, you know, I was introduced to sport. Okay. All right. So I know from, yeah, from a pretty young age, you're involved with, with sports. Uh, can you talk about how that leads into your career uh, and what you did after, you know, beyond high school? Yeah, I think that it really being introduced to, to adaptive sports and recreation that, that was really huge for me. And I would say even before I lost my sight, I played, I played rec league baseball. I learned how to swim when I was young. After I lost my sight, I learned about goal ball, beat baseball. When I was in high school, I, I wrestled for my freshman and sophomore year. And during my, I want to say freshman year, that's when I discovered the, the long jump, which my teacher, the visually impaired, he knew about the Paralympics and he knew about all of the, the options, the things available for 
of people who wanted to participate in in sport. So I got into track and field. He helped me get to my first Paralympics post high school. So my teacher of the visual impaired helped me get there. And, uh, and yeah, I've just been kind of continuing to do that since. But this way, you know, coaches that we have and life, people that we have in life, although they serve a specific purpose as it relates to what it is that you're focusing on at that moment, whether that be sports, whether that be education, you could, the list goes on and on. I think that they also serve as as individuals who can you know just help help guide you in in life and skills and lessons and so that's that's what Mr. Whitmer that's the role that he served for me as well. He wasn't just a teacher of the visually impaired and a and a and a track and field coach. He was someone who was really helping me to see the road ahead and the the ironic thing is that He's also visually impaired. And I want to say he has um, optic nerve atrophy, I believe. Okay. But again, still had usable sight. So in my mind, I, I didn't really think of him as as you know anyone <laughs> anyone different. He was he was keeping me accountable. He was teaching me a lot of things and, and helping me within the sport, helped me get through high school. So very appreciative of all of those things. But even even beyond that, all of the other knowledge that he that he helped me. Like he helped me get into the sport, but he helped me kind of unravel the business behind the sport and, you know, just, just business in, in general, entrepreneurship. Okay. So how does the, I guess, how old were you when you first went to the Paralympics? 19. All right. So right out of high school, you're, you're, you're going yeah. to the Paralympics. Yeah. Um, and, and that ultimately, like you're saying, kind of translates into, into entrepreneurship and business. Uh, but can how do you uh like how do you how do you make a career out of that how do you how does that turn into money in your pocket and you know making a living athletically you are you're training and you reach certain levels you are competing on you know, you hope to compete on the, the the biggest stages and you hope to hit certain standards and certain marks that are established by the the Paralympic Committee. And so as you hit those marks, that is hopefully going to translate into you getting, it could be prize money, it could be a monthly stipend that you receive, it could be uh, working different, say a track and field clinic or helping with some, some growth and development like I identification programs, trying to find additional talent, things like that. Um, but I think that where Mr. Whitmer especially helped me to get a little more creative is thinking about yourself as, as a brand and thinking about the things that you can offer to the world, basically. And uh, I remember a long time ago, he had told me, said Lex you know all of these athletes are out here they're they're sponsored by different companies and different brands you should figure out a way to to get into that mix as well and the suggestion that he gave me was to reach out to one of the local universities so I'm, I'm here in in San Diego California so reach out to one of the the universities there which it was San Diego State 
they have a an MBA program, sports management MBA program. I had reached out to them and asked them if, if there might be some students who could help me build my brand. So I got a, a couple students, Kate, Kelly, Jen, Alyssa, they helped me to to create business cards. They helped me get my website up and going. They helped me get my social media going, helped me create some brochures and really just show me that, all right, well, yeah, Lex, like you, you're, you're pretty good as an athlete, but there are certain things that you, that you take on, certain things that you experience as an, not only as an athlete, but as a person with a, a visual impairment and, and some of the things that we can pull from your experiences as an athlete and as someone who's visually impaired would, you know, that, that would really benefit the world and, and help them to hopefully see a new perspective and, and to hopefully be exposed to a certain type of, you know, human being that will help in their own pursuits as a human being, as a, as a professional, um, and yeah, I mean, that stuff started taking off the website, all of that stuff, it, it, it became reality. We started to partner with different companies. Um, so one of my first sponsors was, was a, a, I'll leave the, the name out, but it's um, like a luxury car company. And uh, they're, they're, they're in San Diego. So I did some some radio spots for them, did some TV commercials and some other ad type things for them. Also spoke to the to the company as well at, at some employee employee engagement events. Okay. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it really started to that was, those were like the very, very, very beginning stages of uh, kind of the, the athlete branding and, and, and business life. OK. All right. So your business and the way that we got connected is through disability in and your your business is certified through them as a disability owned business yeah so what what is your what what would you what is the business what is what would you consider the so, business yeah the business is professional speaking and facilitation of experiential learning programs okay all right so so through your your speaking engagements and these experiential learning programs that that's how your that's your career now you'd say like that's that's how you're making your living you know running your business yeah that that pretty much is is interesting because if you kind of imagine my situation as a as a pie if you will i would probably measure that slice of the pie as probably 50% of it Okay. I would probably say that 30% of that is, I also work part-time for Intel. And I would say that, um, and, and when I say working for Intel, I work as a program manager in the accessibility office. Oh. And, uh, and then 20%, I would say probably has been, you know, reduced to, to athletics. That's not to say that I'm not going hard in the paint. Like I'm not, mm. <laughs> I'm still very much focused on that and training for the Paris Paralympics and putting in a lot of time to, to be the best that I can be in Paris. The only reason that I put it in, 
this capacity is that you know you think about business and you got revenue you got bills mm -hmm. you got things you have to take care of sure and the, the athletic side has kind of been reduced to the point of you know it's, it's uh, the speaking and the facilitation of workshops and things like that basically helps me you know live yeah no that's um that's 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 some really good color on how to how to think about how where where sports took you you know, you're, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't start, start and end just being a professional athlete. You know, you've branched out your, your, you know, your income streams to make sure you, you know, you, you aren't going to be a long jumper in your seventies probably. <laughs> right. Correct. <laughs> so, so it's, there's gotta be something else um, that helps kind of fuel, fuel, you know, you know your income and your lifestyle. So that's yeah. really, that's really cool. And I had no idea that you were, you know, you're working part-time at Intel. Um, you said doing, doing, just, just remind me again, what was it you're doing there? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a program manager in the accessibility office. And I recently, this, this is recent. So it's only been a, a few weeks that I've been in this particular seat. I've been with Intel for, it's almost been two years now. And uh, prior to me being, being an employee for them, I was an an athlete ambassador for them in the lead up to Tokyo. So I was on, on team Intel with a few other buddies of mine on the, um, you know, who, who also participate in Olympic and Paralympic sport. Um, once I had fulfilled my duties as an athlete ambassador, I got an opportunity to, to work for them. And so I say, yeah, you know, try it out. And, see how I can provide and, and add some value to what they're already doing. So my first, my first connection was uh, I was working in the Olympic and Paralympic office as a program manager. So helping to reimagine the, the future of sport by using technology and specifically using technology to elevate how we see and engage and experience the Paralympic Games. And, and lastly, you know, not looking at the Paralympic Games solely, but then understanding how these technologies might be able to scale beyond athletes who have a disability into the world of people who have a disability. So everyone around the globe. No, yeah. oh, wow. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely a lot of fun. Can, can you share some advice uh, that would might help other people who are interested in possibly pursuing a profession as a, as a, as an athlete, as a Paralympic athlete? Yeah, I would say that, you know, first definitely find a sport that you enjoy. There's so many different things out there, track and field, swimming, cycling, goalball, beat baseball. <laughs> I mean, the, the list, the list is, is, is pretty long, um, but find something that you enjoy. Learn about the, the basics of it, the, the rules, and you know, how to, most importantly, learn what it is that you need to do to, to come out on top um, and you know, start that process of developing that plan, what it is that you need to do to get to that point, what sorts of exercises do you need to engage in, what sorts of people do you need to add to your team? So specifically a, a coach, someone who's going to help you, guide you in those areas. 
say strength and conditioning, maybe you want to lift, you know, lift a little weights, get a little strong as well. And as you continue to, the hope, of course, is that you would um, like it, that you would enjoy it, and that'll really spark something within you to keep going. And from there, it's just, you know, continuing to follow that plan, set some benchmarks and, and goals along the way so that you can see yourself progressing and keep that motivation and keep that inspiration peaked and, and at a high level. And as you continue to see those goals being achieved, then it's all right, you know, just continuing to, to get better, get better. Hopefully you're getting to some of those higher competitions. And from there, um, the hope is that you'll make it to the, to the peak, the top of the top and do your absolute, your absolute best to get the results that you're envisioning. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but like, you know, what was kind of a major challenge that you had going through that process and becoming a Paralympic athlete and how did you overcome it? I was, it was just societal perceptions, mm -hmm. attitudes, beliefs, how they view us as, as people with a, a visual impairment. And although I'm speaking about this in the sense of athletics, I think that there's a lot of overlap when it comes to just us living, just going through the human experience as, as someone without, uh, without eyesight or impaired eyesight. Mm -hmm. There, there were many of competitions or a couple that I can think of where I would be out there, I'm participating in long jump. For those who don't know, I have a guy who's standing at the takeoff board. They are clapping and yelling. So I know which direction to run. And I know how many strides that it takes for me to get from the start mark to the finish line. Guides are not allowed to move in the Paralympics. It's a rule that they must be stationary. So he's clapping and yelling as loud as he can. I know that it takes me 16 strides to get from point A to point B on my 16th stride. Boom, jump, soar through the air, land in the sand. There was a, there was a time we went to, a, I want to say it was Chapel Hill, University of Chapel Hill. I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. So we had a competition, University of Chapel Hill, great facility there. And I remember I'm like 16 years old, 16, 17, having some issues. Again, I'm in the beginning stages of, of, of doing this. There was someone in the crowd who just like, they're yelling like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Why do you have this kid out here running? He's going to hurt himself. This is after I had, you know, I ran. I veered off just a little bit and and hit one of the, um, I guess it's called like a stanchion. You typically see them when you walk inside of a store, a bank where you're you're in line and you're you're weaving back and forth, right? And it's like mm -hmm. that little, you know, whatever it is, the felt. Yeah, this like you're like rope attached to poles. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so yeah, so I had ran I had ran into one of those and knocked it over, and that's what prompted that person to, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And Mr. Whitmer, he was, he was like, you know what? He's like, Lex, it's, it's fine. Are you good? Are you you're not hurt, are you? And I responded, no, I wasn't physically hurt. I think it was more so you, you, your feelings are hurt, right? You look like a little embarrassed, a little ashamed, things like that. Mm -hmm. But he was there to, to keep, you know, keep pushing me and, and, and motivating me and, Said, just just listen to the sound of my voice. 
and we are going to, you know, this, this is going to end up where we want it to go. And, uh, I just continue to, to trust him continuing to, to see and believe in what it was that he was painting that vision that he was painting. And so, um, I just think in a lot of ways, he helped me to, he helped me build a certain type of shell, if you will, when it comes to hearing those types of reactions from people who have no idea as to what you're doing and no understanding of why you're doing it. That really, that helped me to catapult into this space of, you know, having this, this mental strength. Because the reality is, yeah, like now sport, that's, that's a safe haven for me. When I step on the long jump runway, when I'm on the track, it doesn't care about who I am. It doesn't care about my race. It doesn't care about how old I am, my ability, any of those things. It just, that track, it just wants to see me fly. And unfortunately, that's not, you know, we can't say the same when you know, we're walking around in, in community because people have just very inaccurate or, or uh, what's the word that I want to use? And Mis- so, misconceptions. Mis- yeah, misconceptions. Thank you. I'm, I'm not in my speaker bag today. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely misconceptions are just, you know, out of this world. So... Uh, fortunately, again, I just had him there really help me to see that, you know, you're going to experience these types of things in life, but don't allow anyone else to dictate to you who you are and what you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is so important to have people that will support you through thick and thin and help you achieve your goals. That's incredible. Yeah. So do you have or do you use any assistive technology at all or to, to 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 train for the long jump and to train for track and field? Not in the sense of when we're out there on the field of play. I have my guide, which <laughs> I wouldn't identify him, label him as a piece of technology, but he's definitely uh, assistive. Uh, very, very, very helpful in in me navigating on the track. Everything else is is kind of the the typical things that you might use. We have our training plans and strength and conditioning plans, all of the things that the dietitian sends us around body comps and what we should eat and things like that. I'm using my iPhone computer um, Braille display to consume that information, to read those things, and to also send messages back to them. So no, nothing that I would consider, you know, like wildly, wildly, oh, my gosh, you use this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's pretty, pretty practical things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then for the business side of things, uh, what kind of tech do you use to get the day-to-day done? I use my, so I use a, I haven't, I got a lot of stuff going on over here. Uh, I got a MacBook pro that I use a lot for more of my, the, the speaker side of things. Um, I have my PC that I use for, for Intel, of course, on the Mac, I'm using VoiceOver. On the PC, I'm using Jaws. Okay. I also have my 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 iPhone, my Braille display. Sometimes I'm I I need to break out the old school items like the Braille typewriter or the Slate and Stylus. 
not too too much but um when i need braille immediately like in mm -hmm. front of me if i'm giving a presentation and just have like some notes some notes jotted down then i might use the slate and stylus to say grab an index card and, and, and write some things so uh those are probably the the main items that i use okay so can you tell me uh a little bit more about Kristen and how she helps you out and what what her role is a little bit and, and i guess how she helps you be efficient yeah so Kristen works for she works for the company and she just makes sure that she makes sure the wheels keep rolling and make sure everything is is taken care of from just all of your administrative type type duties and uh you know she she's phenomenal so i really don't have to worry about anything when inquiries come in or if people need different resources whether that's you know, some sort of uh like marketing materials or information around the speech information around the workshop powerpoints all of those types of materials that we have and she's able to send those things over and, and she also helps me with you know, when we're on phone calls and things like that she she is there to help support too so um me like <laughs> i think a lot of people look at they'll look at my linkedin my instagram and TikTok and things like that and they're like yo how in the world is he able to to like sleep <laughs> and then and, and, and eat you know it's just the christians of the world and and then there's also you haven't met amber but amber helps out tremendously as well so they they make up a huge part of the team and being able to you know help me focus on the things that that i need to focus on okay so when you were first starting out the business i'm imagining that it's just you in the yep. beginning yeah when did you decide to start hiring people and, and, you know, you needed, you needed additional help getting things done or whatever it may be, but wh what, what was that crossover point? It was really quick. I think, so I started, I started my company officially in February of 2019, I believe. And I hired on Kristen who actually is under an umbrella called Edorops. And so Edorops is, is the company that provides support for small businesses. And so Kristen works for, for Edorops. And, and, um, so anyway, I, I, I hired her on maybe in those, it might've been within six months, if I remember correctly. And the reason being is because two things, number one, I knew that since I was just starting off, like I had to build the business, it, it needed to grow. So my thinking was, let me, obviously you have to, like I have to pay myself some sort of salary. And, uh, but going into that, I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to pay myself literally the least amount of money that I, you know, like I'm obligated to pay myself. And the reason being is because growing the business is more important to me. And I knew that with all of the things that I had going on, e.g. training for the <laughs> Tokyo Paralympic Games, there was no way that I would be able to put in all of the time that I would need 
to to get the business going the way I the way I wanted it to to go and move. So it was it was imperative in my mind to to get some support early. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about this company that where you found Kristen. Is that just in general for small businesses? Or was did she have a focus, or did were you did you look for somebody that had a focus with working with someone that was blind? I have a friend who introduced me to Edorops, and she had a you know, apparently there was a really good experience with with working with them. This friend of mine actually was she was a part of the original group that helped me start my start my athlete branding and, and marketing and things years ago. So I obviously trust her trust her her word. And so yeah, she made that connection and, and so I had a had a chance to sit down with uh you know with Edorops just to learn more about them and what they do in terms of services for small businesses. And yeah, I mean it was a good fit. So I met Kristen. Um, you know, again, she is, you know, she's, she's, she's awesome. So I felt that she would be a really good addition to, to the company and being able to help it grow and being able to give me, you know, again, that, that freeing up time so that I can continue to train and, and do the, you know, the Intel business and things like that. Okay. All right. So they're not, they don't specifically have a specialty with, you know, working with people that are blind or visually impaired. Just... I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say so, but I would say that they're, they're definitely, and, and that's, um, I'm going to say, I don't think so. Yeah. I could be, you know, I could be wrong. They might have some other, other clients who are, um, you know, blind and visually impaired. I'm not totally sure, but I know if they, with them not specializing specifically, I know that they do have a lot of experience now in working with someone who's who's blind or visually impaired so um i would absolutely recommend them to to anyone because they they understand kind of the the ebbs and flows and the you know challenges and potential issues that might arise um so you know you have someone who's there and, and kind of already has some some good experience it just makes that learning curve a little less mm -hmm. yeah Absolutely. All right. So, so the business, you know, is up and running now and, you know, 50% roughly of your, of your activities. So, so things are going pretty well. Can you tell me how has, uh, or what made you decide to become certified as a disability owned business and, and how has, has that helped you in, in growing the business at all? Or, you know, how has that added benefit to, to your company? Yeah, I think that, so let me see, I had found out about disability in a few years ago. And um, for me, you know, networking is huge. I also, and I remember someone, they were just like, yeah, like, you know, you need to to get this certification that's going to allow your, your company to be, you have that Adobe uh, certification. And just being in this community of individuals who they can offer assistance, they can offer advice, feedback. There's also those opportunities where you have, I've done a couple, a couple presentations and there's a specific term 
for it that I'm blanking on right now. And uh, you're basically, you know, pitching your 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 company and its services to a specific business. So they also help you to get in front of companies that you might not have been able to get in front of on your own, which is okay. is is really good. So I've gotten, man, I'm pretty sure I've done a couple speeches where you know a few speeches where that Adobe certification has has um you know helped me and of course as a as a corporation they have to you know they're allocating a certain number of dollars a year for Adobe business or you know minority-owned businesses women-owned businesses etc cetera, etc cetera. so ultimately i just felt like you know it was a, it was a no-brainer to me and mm -hmm. um I went to the disability end conference for the first time this past year. That was really amazing. There's thousands of people in this space, thousands of people who support those who have a you know, disability and, and, and people who are blind and visually impaired and those who want to learn and, and want to be better supporters and, and allies and things like that. So um, I think that it is, I'm actually recertifying right now. I think this will be my third year of having the Adobe uh, certification. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely been a, a, a good time. I think that I can certainly do some more to to kind of leverage it even more. But that's the uh, that's the purpose of life and evolution, growth yeah. and development. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. All right. Let's just talk quickly. Do you, do you use a, a cane or a guide dog? Cane. Okay. Ever thought about a guide dog? Not until I'm done traveling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Not until I'm like once I'm at that point where I'm, you know, in one location for the majority of the time, then I would I would consider it. But yeah, I, I can't even keep up with myself half the time, so I'll just <laughs> rather have a cane. All right, fair enough. What What do you do for fun? What do you, What kind of hobbies do you have? Beaches, good food, good movie every now and then. Love sports, so glad that you know it's it's, it's NFL season right now. So loving that fantasy football. Um, goodness gracious, uh, YouTube rabbit hole. I go down that a lot, listening to different videos, and yeah, just just yeah, just enjoying life. On your website, you mentioned there's a category kind of artist. Uh, singer, songwriter. Um, I think there was musician. There might have been one other. But do you do you play any instruments? Piano. Piano, nice. And have you composed any songs that are out there for the world, like on iTunes or anything? Yeah, you know what we did. Um, I just did this. So there, there is <clears throat> currently on iTunes. What is it? It's called on the stage, and so. That was a, a project that we had did in hopes of raising some, there was a purpose to it. We were raising some money for, for my guide's mom to watch us participate in London. And ironically, I want to say uh, maybe a, a week or so ago, whenever it was, I did a meditative story and um, we talked about that song. So, I'm not sure if you want to Google Lex Gillette meditative stories, it'll pop up. It's probably like a 30 minute long, uh, it's, a, it's a meditative 
piece, if you will, but it's it's me or whoever the guest is. They're elaborating on this this personal experience that they have in life. And so the story that I did actually told that of the the project on the stage. Um, but there is more. There's it's some more stuff coming. There's okay. some more stuff coming. So it'll be exciting over these next these uh years leading up to Paris. I told myself the goal was going to be to to drop something else in the in the lead up to the game. So I need to yeah. figure out how we're going to make that happen. All right, cool. Yeah, a couple interviews ago, I uh, I interviewed Matthew Whitaker. I don't know if you know recognize his name, but he is a an incredible piano player, and uh, he's currently at Juilliard. But he's got his own. He's got an album out and everything. And and so, if you want to talk to a fellow piano player, he's the, oh, he's yeah. the guy. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that. It'll definitely be good to connect with him. And how about your writing? Have you, did you continue that at all and publish something? <laughs> you know what? It's funny. Yeah, all of those things come full circle. So I released a book in 2020, February. It's called Fly, Find Your Own Wings and Soar Above Life's Challenges. That was kind of my first stab at, at writing something, writing a book. Mm-hmm. Definitely will give the impression of, memoir-esque type but i really just wanted to share a bunch of stories and have some sort of lesson that could be linked to it so that the reader you know would hopefully be able to see something within themselves through the stories that i'm telling and and not only seeing things within themselves but learning how they can how they can become even better themselves so did that one and uh, what well, came out in February of 2020. And then I have another one coming out in, I have, I don't have the specific date yet, but I believe it's going to be the early part of 2023, like January, February. So that one is called No Need for Sight When You Have a Vision, which is my mantra. And the subtitle is What Blindness Can Teach Us About Risk and Leadership. That would be something that, that I can leverage more so for kind of the, the audience audiences that I tend to speak to. Okay. Do you write the entire book by yourself or do you have um, any help with it? Yeah, this last one. So I had, I had help with both of them. The first one I had a lot more involvement in, I would say not, not that I didn't the second one, but what I will say is I just did a lot, a lot more writing with the, you know, the first one, it was kind of made up of, of some blogs and things that I had written in the past. So we were able to take some of those and the editor helped to <clears throat> do their wordsmithing and, and help get it right. And then also helped me to create some totally, some totally new passages and stories as well. I would record voice memos on my iPhone and then we had uh, gotten some people to transcribe them. And based off of that, we were able to kind of chisel it and get it, to where it is today. The second one, I went through a, a company called Scribe. They have helped um, you know authors over the over the years. I think most notably they have uh, they helped David. What's his name? David Goggins, the um, the Navy Seal. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like, know. You don't know him? Yeah, you have, I... to, uh, you, you have to check him out. He um he's like a Navy Seal. He's like you know, out there, like, and like just going after it, um, intense, but anyway, 
I think that was one of their, um, you know, larger name books who they had help with. But that process was really cool. I didn't, I didn't really do as much writing with that. I would say it was, it was made up of a lot of me figuring out what I wanted that structure to look like. So me sitting down and figure out, figuring out, oh, chapter one, I want it to be about this, two, three, four, da 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 da, and then we went through a process of of conversations specifically around those uh, chapters. And once I had all of the the recordings done, then um, you know, we we worked together to uh to kind of wordsmith what had been delivered to me based on the, those recordings, and uh. You know, at the end, I kind of went through it with a fine-tooth comb, changed some things, deleted some things, added some things, and yeah, you know, it'll it'll be what it is when it drops here early, early twenty-three. Wow, wow, very interesting, very interesting. Uh, any other words of wisdom for blind and visually impaired people out there? I would say that, man. You know, I always just have to go back to my to my mantra, which is no need for sight. When you have a vision, you know, at the end of the day, it's not it's not your eyesight that determines success. It's your ability to see that vision and to not only see it, but to then develop that plan, figure out what that plan is going to be, connect with the right people and then do everything in your power to bring that vision into fruition. And the last thing I would say is just get out there and, and and do your thing. There's going to be some resistance. There's going to be people who have no idea as to what it is that you can do, where you can go and who you can become. But as long as you believe in your abilities and you continue to push forward and not allow those things to impede your progress, um, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to reach whatever success it is that you're wanting to experience in life. I hope we can all learn something from my conversation with Lex today. I know for myself, it is incredibly important for young, blind, and visually impaired people to have role models and mentors that can help guide them on a path to success. And also, that if you have determination and motivation in a certain aspect of your life, like becoming a professional athlete, that that same drive can translate into other areas of your life, like starting your own business or becoming an author. Music today is provided by Matthew Whitaker. I hope you come back to hear more inspiring stories from other blind and visually impaired people. And thanks for listening. <laughs>